Well, thank you so much for the prayers and the chance to celebrate just a little bit. 11 years is a long time, really, in anybody's eyes. And uh, we're so thankful to be here, thankful for what God is doing, and even more excited about what he's doing in the days ahead. One of our, one of our leaders came to me a couple of weeks ago, and uh, actually just this last week, mentioned it for the second time and said, Pastor, you need to tell people when things like growth or take, that growth is taking place. And I want to say to you today, we're really excited about what's happening this year. The last two quarters, second quarter and the third quarter, which we're in the middle of right now, we have been up uh, in our average attendance across the board, about 200 to 250 people every week over last year. That's a pretty sizable jump from one year to another. We celebrate that. That's a great thing. And we believe God has many things ahead for us. Excited about that. And I want you to keep praying that the Lord would help us reach more and more people for Christ. I also want to say something in the way of leadership. As you leave today, this is an opportunity. This week is an opportunity for you to begin the process of nominating leaders that we call deacons in our church. It's a biblical role. That role is spelled out in the brochure that you'll receive as you leave today. For the next three weeks, we'll be receiving names of deacons or possible deacons that we will go through the process of evaluating and examining and eventually allow them to serve uh, as they're willing and as they're qualified. So I want you to be a part of that. It's a big deal for members of a church to submit names of leaders, people already leading, men already leading, who are fitting the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and who are obviously servant leaders, not just uh, people who form a board of some kind. They're not a group that do that, but we describe what they do as they work closely with our staff in the way of serving the body at First Eulis. Please nominate them over the next few weeks and we will begin the process of uh, nominating them, bring them back to you by the end of November. That's a big thing for all of us to be involved with. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning and uh, are ready to go into the Word, just say amen. All right, let's take the Bibles and turn to Luke 10 for just a moment. We're going to finish Luke chapter 10 today. What I say to you this week and next week, what we'll say from the message from the podium next week is this. It'll be all about focusing. It'll be about focusing on listening to God and focusing on talking to God. Now, let me just share with you that the things we say this week and next will be so simple and yet probably the most personally powerful principles that you can put in your life. If you listen and heed to what is said, if you practice what you see in Scripture this week and next, your life will be revolutionized. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you some reasons today that your life is not being transformed in more ways. I'm going to talk to you about why you are not hearing more from the Lord. I'm going to speak to you a little bit about why you're so troubled, why you're so upset sometimes why you're so aggravated with your spiritual life. And I assume that we all have those times in our life when we're like that. When I was a young basketball player about 100 years ago or so, I was playing for the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And uh, as a freshman, when I began to play, my coach pulled me aside one day about a week into the first practices that I'd experienced in college life and said, John, you have a good game, but you go too fast. When you get that ball, the first thing you think of is scoring or driving to the bucket or taking a shot. You're moving too fast. You're not thinking about the team around you. You're not thinking about your opponent or strategy. You move so fast that you're out of focus and sometimes out of control. I cannot use you on the court during a game if you do not slow down and focus. And then he said this. He said, if you operate at 75% of your speed, of your capacity speed, 
If you just try to slow yourself down enough to be able to think and move at the same time, you'll be a much better ball player. And I began to take that advice. I began to pause. I began to focus before I began to move. And it really made all the difference in my game, all the difference in the world. It helped me elevate my game. And what I say to you today is going to be very similar to that. Instead of living life from activity to activity, instead of moving all the time and trying to take care of the details, it's important to stop and focus. And two women in the Bible are going to give us that lesson, Martha and Mary. Stand with me as we read the few verses that we're going to be looking at today, beginning in verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Now, as we go through the rest of this text, I want you to see the picture of what's happening here. Jesus is in the house. Jesus is in the house of Martha and Mary. And what they do as a result of Jesus being in the house says everything about their priorities. Jesus is in the house. I want you to say that phrase with me. Are you ready? Jesus is in the house. Say it one more time. Jesus is in the house. What do we do when Jesus is in the house? What do we do when we know his presence is near, when the opportunity is open for us? What do we do when Jesus is in the house? Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, my prayer is that you will powerfully impact our lives, our daily schedules, our ongoing practice of worship, how we open the word, what we do with it when we open it. I pray, God, that you will change our focus to be ever more focused on Mary's focus, which is you. I ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. This is not a parable where you just get one point out of what's being said. This is not Jesus coming up with a story in contemporary life that lays alongside a truth he's going to share, like we looked at last week with the parable of the Good Samaritan. As much as we have to learn in times like that, this is a narrative. This is an unfolding story. This is an actual event between two real people who had Jesus in the house. And these two real people are involved in a conversation with Jesus. We see their actions, and in some cases, we see their motivation. And so as we look at this text today, I want to ask the question and answer the question, why do we struggle with focus, and how do we change all that? This is a real conversation about real people, real time, real activities, and real focus. And today, I want to challenge you on how you focus your everyday life and why it matters. Why do we struggle with focus? Well... The truth is, all of us do, and I, I'm in a, a constant battle of focus personally. I've got to tell you, one of the biggest battles of my life is a battle of focus. What do I do and what do I not do in order to do what's most important? So many things vie for my attention as they do yours. So many things on my to-do list. So many priorities that are considered good. So many activities that can take me in every which way. And if we're not careful, if we don't think well, if we don't focus well, 
We will live life out of control and nothing meaningful is done. As a matter of fact, sometimes we look back after a week or two and we ask ourselves the question, what meaningful thing did I accomplish? What meaningful thing happened to my life? What has impacted me in a good way at all over the last few weeks? I challenge you to begin to ask that question in your life because your schedule can actually eat your life up. And today, Jesus is talking to Martha and Mary about these very things. Now, I want you to think of the context today that is true of this text and yours as well, and that is Jesus is in the house. Say it again with me. Jesus is in the house. Where is Jesus? He's in the house. Now, let me tell you, theologically, that's true. Theologically, it's true because when you come to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he does not just give you the gift of eternal life, but he gives you the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of your life, and he is there forevermore. He is going to sanctify you. He's going to build you up. He's going to convict you, and he's going to be with you. Jesus is in your house. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Scripture tells us this. So Jesus is in your house. Jesus is in your life. His presence is with you, and we need to keep that in mind as we think about what unfolds here in this particular text. These ladies and their lives are being spelled out for us over these next few moments. And for the next hour, at least in their lives, these two ladies have the same opportunity and they have the same invitation from Jesus. They have the same amount of time, but they don't have the same focus. And that contrast is here to expose us today. Are you a Martha or are you a Mary? Now I'm gonna confess today, I made a confession last week that I have not heard the end of it yet. In fact, I still get text while I preach about the fact that I'm a cat lover. Do you know that there are some guys in this building who actually have the audacity to text me while I'm preaching about Jesus and talk about loving people that Jesus loved and talking about loving cats because my, cat, my wife loves cats. And they had the audacity to text me and I felt it on my phone and looked at the name and I knew exactly who it was. I'm not gonna name any names today. But I've been given a hard time about loving cats this week. I'm also going to make another confession today. I am a Martha. And some of you guys in this room are too. I'm not having identity problems. No, I'm not. I'm just a Martha. <laughs> some of us are Marys. Some of us know what it means to be still and be quiet. And we have that as a high priority. Some of us know what it means to meditate and listen to the Lord more than we listen to other people. And others of us are the kind of people that like to be doing things, the kind of people that like to accomplish certain tasks, and we're always thinking about those tasks, and we don't value quite so much. We don't have quite the kind of focus that those who are like Mary have. But Jesus calls all of us to this thing we're talking about today. All of us are called to a great focus of being in his presence and with him today, and we need to know that today. There are some things that help us understand why we struggle with focus in the life of Martha. So I want to look at the life of Martha for just a few moments and notice a couple of three things. First of all, we're like Martha when we allow ourselves to be distracted by many things. We struggle to focus when we allow those distractions in our life to take preeminence. Notice verse 40. The Bible says that Martha was distracted by all 
her preparations. I love the Greek study and diving into those Greek words. It's so helpful to me when I, I look at what the English word says. And you usually see the English word and it kind of looks like black and white compared to the full color, high definition, 4K, 4K kind of version of TV. And it's really clear. And what that Greek word in this particular context talks about is the fact that we are led around and divided by so many different things. She was distracted. It's almost like the tail is wagging the dog. All the things that have to be taken care of in Martha's mind, she's doing at that moment while Jesus is in the house. It's kind of amazing. Jesus is in the house and she's putting away dishes and she's preparing the meal. She's doing everything she normally does, except this is not a normal hour. Jesus is in the house. And there are times when we have to do all these things that distract us from special times, but Jesus is in the house. And because Jesus is in the house, everything changes. Our focus changes, our activity changes because Jesus is in the house. I want you to be careful today that we're not too much like Martha, that we're not pulled in so many different directions by activities, by thoughts, by what we perceive to be high priority tasks that we have to perform. The focus in Martha's life is good. It's just not the best one in that hour. We have to learn to not be led around by everything that's not as important. Andy Stanley had a great book that he wrote a few years ago called Choosing to Cheat. Sounds like a horrible title. Actually, it's an incredible book that talks about how we cheat the things that are not worthwhile in order to focus on the things that are. And he said this. He said, I don't know the particulars of your situation, but here's what I do know, that your creator does not define your life by your career achievements or the neatness of your pantry. He doesn't define your life by how many things you can check off your to-do list, by how many activities you're involved with, by how many, how many tweets you have on social media or Facebook posts. He doesn't do all that. God determines the value of how you're responding to him by your time with him. It's incredibly important. So we allow ourselves to be distracted by so many things. I don't know if that says something about your life, but it says something about mine. And one of the questions I have to ask about all the activities I do is what is the cost of these activities when I can be doing something that Jesus defines as the better thing? What does it pull us away from if we're always moving about doing things that are good but not bad? How does it lead us away from the best things if we're not careful? So we're like Martha when we allow ourselves to be distracted by many things. We like focus when we are allowing ourselves to be distracted. But, but Martha also shows us something else. She shows us that we are disturbed when others don't join us. Martha is not only wanting to check all these things off the list, she's also wanting to marry to help her do that. Because what Martha says is important for her, she feels like everyone else has to have just as much importance in that area. And she actually says this to Jesus in the second part of verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving? Do you know anybody that assumes that everybody ought to be doing what they think is important? You know, the kind of people that don't really say this, but they really believe this. God has a wonderful, I mean, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. Have you ever heard that before? God loves you, but I have a wonderful plan for your life. That's, that's Martha right there. Jesus, I know you love Mary, but I have a wonderful plan for her right now. Yes, you're in the house. Yes, you're teaching. Yes, the word's coming out. But I need her to get up off the floor and come into the kitchen with me. This is actually what Martha is saying to Jesus. 
So much to do, Martha says. But must it be done, Jesus says. I want to be honest with you today. We cannot expect other people to share our self-created agendas when Jesus may have a higher agenda for us than we even have for ourselves. As I was studying this passage years ago, I wrote down a statement that I happen to keep handy, and here's the question I ask. If Martha does not feed Jesus, Jesus will survive. But if Jesus does not feed Martha, will Martha survive? Well, that's an important thing to ask yourself. See, Martha's going to go through a lot of challenges in life, and she's going to need Jesus. She's going to need his presence, his truth, his power, his ability, and she's going to see his power at work in her life. But right now, she does not see the priority of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And some of us struggle with that same kind of focus. I want you to notice the third thing that's happening in this story, and that Martha is becoming demanding of Jesus. And that's what happens. We become demanding when we lose focus. Notice what she says to Jesus in the last part of verse 40. Tell her to help me. Now, it's hard to read emotions when you're looking at the Scripture, even as deep as you can dig. It's hard to tell the emotions. But I'm thinking Martha has her hands on her hips at this moment. I'm thinking Martha is a little bit perturbed, a little bit hacked off, a little bit upset at Mary because Mary is focusing at the feet of Jesus and Martha is doing everything else. Can you not just see Martha putting her hands on her hips saying, Lord, tell her to help me. It's only right. Somebody's got to do this stuff. And Jesus says, Martha... Martha, no, not now. I'm in the house. I'm here and Mary has chosen something better than all the things that you're working with. She's focusing on my word. You see, it's important for us. And I, by the way, nobody ever gets away with demanding anything of Jesus. The few people that do this in the scripture just do not, that's not farewell for them. Martha made demands of Jesus. Peter made demands of Jesus. Can you, can you picture this? Can you imagine? This is, this is creator God right here. This is almighty king, and she's telling him what to do as though she has the right to do that. But it never works out well when we do that, and we always do that when we're frustrated from something in our own agenda rather than his. Martha basically had missed an incredible opportunity. I want you to know something today as you think about the life of Martha I want you to know if that we're not careful with our focus, you can lose an amazing opportunity as well. And in the same way that Martha was out of line by making that request of Jesus, we are sometimes out of line by praying certain things that we want Jesus to accomplish for us because we're busy but out of focus. We're busy but we don't know exactly what he's up to. We can actually pray about wrong things the Bible says sometimes we ask and have not because we ask with the wrong motives, that we may spend it on our own agenda or our own pleasure. And that's exactly what Martha is doing face to face with Jesus right here. And Martha's missing an amazing opportunity which you and I do not want to miss. So how do we focus on the one good thing? How do we not miss the opportunity when Jesus is in the house? Well, let me give you three things today. First of all, recognize the opportunity that's what Mary did. It's as simple as that. Mary, in verse 39, the Bible says, was listening to the Lord's word. I don't think it could get any more plain than that. According to commentators, the custom of someone coming to a house like this and preparing for a meal was that Jesus would be reclining, leaning on a pillow on his side. And according to the way the wording is unfolding for us, 
Jesus' feet are splayed out behind him as he looks this way. And we see Mary in this picture, in this house, seated at his feet behind him somewhat. So while Martha is moving all about, Mary has zeroed in on the important thing in the house, which is Jesus, and she's seated at his feet listening to his word. And the most important line there is she was listening to the Lord's word. So let me ask you today, could it be more plain what Jesus is referring to when he says, she has chosen the better thing, which is to listen to my word? Could you really get any better than to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he says, to know him personally and his character and his ways? Could it, could it really be any better than you conversing with him and talking with him and getting answers and replies? Could it get any better than you worshiping him for who he is because he's in the house? And Mary's made this amazing, amazing opportunity here. She's recognized what's in front of her. And she realizes that she's hearing the God of the universe. She's hearing the God who spoke and heaven and earth came into existence. She's hearing the God who spoke and the waters came up to the shoreline and there it went no more. She's speaking to the one who says that he loves us with an everlasting love. She's speaking to the one who created redemption for us. She's in his presence. Jesus is in the house and she has recognized that. Now, I want to tell you something today that you need to do, all of us do. We need to recognize what Mary recognized, that we have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, to cease from everyday things and have time in the presence of God. I want you to let that sink in. I want there to be enough pause in what I say today for you to think what that means for you. Do you think for one moment that Jesus wants Martha to be distracted? Absolutely not. He wants her to set aside things that normally are important. And he's calling her to sit down and to listen. Everybody that's married or has close friends knows this is true. That when your friend is talking to you about anything important at all or just talking to you or when your spouse is talking to you, they want you to put everything else down, right? When my wife is speaking to me and I have this phone out and I'm connected to somebody else somewhere, she has that certain kind of look. You know what that looks like, don't you? I don't have to reproduce that, but you know how like, some of you guys are out there laughing in the congregation right now. You know what that looks like when your wife looks at you like that? Basically, put the phone down, dude, put it down. Because I'm important and I'm in your presence and I want to say something to you, put it down. For those of you that are not at that place, you need to lay the newspaper down or you need to turn the TV off. When someone important is talking to you, you need to put everything else down. And, and that's a lesson you just learn in marriage. If you're smart, you learn that lesson well. Well, here's a lesson magnified a million times. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's God. Put everything else down. You have an amazing opportunity if you will recognize that you can have the priority of giving God time, to have the priority of listening to him and his words, listening to the word being read, reading the word for yourself, or attending corporate worship as a priority in your life, not letting anything else move that aside because Jesus is in the house. Recognize the opportunity. Secondly, we must choose to spend the time. Choose to spend the time. Notice what verse 42 says. Mary has chosen the good part. 
The word for chose in the Greek is eklego. It's a word that is a combination word. And I love it when in the Greek you see these combination words. Because the first part of that word, the preposition helps you know where the movement is. So that eklego starts with ek or out of. In other words, you are to choose out of everything in front of you something that's more important than the other. The idea is de-escalating the value of others to escalate the value of one. Mary has done that. Mary has looked at everything she could be doing at this moment. And she has said, I know the most important thing for me is not what Martha is doing. It's not anything outside this house. The most important for me at this moment is to be at the feet of Jesus. So I will choose this activity and I will ignore that one in order to get the better part. Now, we have to be good at this practice. We have to do this in everything in life. You have to choose out of the vast array of things that you do at work or the vast array of things that you do uh, at school or in your social life in order to find time to be with your family. We all have to do that. And out of all those things, we have to choose out of those things how we spend time with God. Andy Stanley, again, in the book, Choosing the Sheep, made this statement about the work stress that we sometimes have. He said, your situation isn't that different from mine. If you stayed at work until everything was finished, if you took advantage of every opportunity that came your way, if you sought out every angle to maximize your abilities and improve your skills and advance your career, you would never go home. You must choose to cheat work sometimes in order to be at home. And in the same way, you have to cheat all other things in order to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, this is a better thing. Choose it out of everything else you do because being with me is of utmost priority. So let's talk about what we do listen to for a few moments. The New York Times came out with an article in 2008, and it was based on a study done at the University of California in San Diego. And this study was designed to help us understand how many words a day came across our consciousness. And in 2008, that study said that the average American saw, heard, or somehow experienced a total of about 100,000 words a day. Now think about that, 100,000 words a day that you hear someone speak or you read or you see on a screen or, or you hear spoken in some way, 100,000 words a day. And what's more than that, they said in this study that it increases at the rate of about 6% a year. So if you carry that forward and begin to do some math, you'll find that you listen to and see and are exposed to an amazing number of words a day, about 175,000 words a day if, that, if that, uh, that guess is accurate. And that means about 1.2 million words a week. We allow ourselves to see and hear and read that much. Now, amidst all those words that we hear and expose ourselves to and allow ourselves to see in social media and TV and, and everywhere else that we see, most all those things, 99.9% .9 of all those things have no value in comparison to two minutes with God. Two minutes with God. Or 30 minutes with God. Or an hour with God. Let me tell you something, I've read a lot of things, I remember a lot of things, but I remember very little of what I read and hear from day to day, but I remember everything that God said to me five years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago. Why? Because this is the better part, this is the good thing, and it won't be taken away from Mary, and it won't be taken away from you. Choose the better thing. 
Recognize what it, what it means to hear from God. Recognize what it means to choose the important thing. So if you'll make time for God, if you recognize Jesus is in the house, then we have an amazing opportunity that we can choose to take advantage of. I've said this all the many years I've said this. I believe it's true. God is always talking. We're just not always listening. God is always speaking. He's always leading. He's always guiding. He's always directing. He's always giving wisdom. He's always drawing us close. We're just not always listening. We're always involved in so many different things that we don't hear God. And so the solution is simple. We just fail to fight it. Here's the solution. Make a personal appointment with God and keep it. Make a personal appointment with God every day and keep it. Make an appointment to hear the word together with other believers on Sunday and keep it. And when it rains, remember, you've already made that commitment. And when the temptation is to go off and do some event, remember, you've made that commitment. Make an appointment with God and keep it. Choose to spend the time. One of our great history lessons is the lesson of a man named Cortez. He was an explorer from Spain. He brought 11 ships over with his men to discover essentially Central America. And as he went to South and Central America, he knew the, desire, the sailors desired to go back to Spain, knew they would want to go back after a period of weeks, but they needed to be there for a time to establish a colony there and to begin to explore. And so he was decisive. He commanded his sailors to go down and burn the ships in the harbor. And by burning the ships in the harbor, all the other sailors looked at that harbor, lit with flames and said, well, I guess we're not going back to Spain. I guess we're here for good. And they began to be able to focus on the task at hand. We've got to make key decisions about our time with God like that. We've got to burn the ships. We've got to say things like no email, no Facebook or any of that before time with God. Rick Renner, one of great devotional writers, said that he was growing up, his mom and dad made a commitment never to eat physical food until they ate spiritual food, never to eat anything for breakfast until they had time with God. And he said, our parents didn't force us, that on us, but we saw their example. And he said, now for 40 or 50 years, that's been my practice. I will not wake up and eat physical food until I've had time for the spiritual food. And he said, I have not regretted that decision in my life. We will not regret the time that we spend with God. Today, we struggle with all kinds of things when it comes to corporate worship as well. And the commitments you need to make is no sports, no activities or leagues that interfere with the Lord's day. Worship is a priority to God. And God is calling you to worship him, to hear his word week in and week out. Pastor, you don't understand. Things have changed. No, I have six kids. We raised all of them in a sports environment. We said no to sports on Sundays. We said no to activities on Sundays that would interfere with something we consider a high, high priority. Worship the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Make it a priority in your life because nothing is more important than those few hours on the first day of the week. Are you with me this morning? I'm not, I'm not preaching to somebody that's not here. I'm preaching to somebody that is. The ones that are not here, they're not hearing the encouragement they need to hear from the life of Martha today. And the encouragement we hear from the life of Mary today. Make the decision. Focus. And then lastly, anticipate the reward. Notice the last things Jesus said in verse 42 he said in verse 42, only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not 
be taken away from her. Jesus makes it very plain. I'm pleased with Mary's choice. She hears from the Lord, and so can you. No regrets. Let me talk to you young people for just a moment because this section is filled with lots of young people on the brink of all kinds of incredible decisions that you have to make about school, about future, about spouse, about uh, what you major in, what you do for life's work. Let me say, I, I don't know what you'll do without God speaking to you. But I can tell you, people that don't listen to God make lots of mistakes and move in the wrong way for much of their lives with much regret. What would happen if you found a way to spend enough time with God to let him counsel you about your life, to give direction, to give wisdom, which he promises to give? He wants to give that to you. And you can hear God, like Daniel heard God at the age of 14, like the Virgin Mary heard from God as a very early teen. You can hear from God. And having heard from God, you can have the joy of knowing that you heard him, that he's directing you. You can hear from God. Secondly, she enjoys, and so will you enjoy. You'll have a good time with Christ. You'll have a good time at Jesus' feet. You'll have a good time that you spend with him. He will speak to you. He will allow you to know him and love him and enjoy him. And you ought to enjoy the word. You ought to enjoy worship. And you ought to enjoy knowing that God loves you so much. He gives you his presence. John Piper, in one of his books, talked about the absence of that in our lives. He said, childlike wonder and awe sometimes have died in our lives. The scenery and poetry and music of the majesty of God have dried up like a forgotten peach at the back of the refrigerator. And the irony is, we have aided this by telling people they ought not seek their own pleasure in worship. But you ought to enjoy worship. You ought to enjoy the presence of God. You ought, you ought to be elevated by that in elevating him, that you know him, that you love him, that he loves you. You ought to get excited about worshiping Jesus. You ought to get excited about the Word of God. Church ought to be for you a highly participative activity. You ought to be involved. You ought to be giving yourself. You ought to be investing yourself. You ought to be saying amen to everything I say today. You ought to be lifting your voice as loud as you can when our worship pastor leads us in worship. You ought to be clapping your hands until they are absolutely red from hitting them on each other because you're worshiping in the presence of God. Learn to enjoy that time with God. Learn to value that. Delight yourself in the Lord is what David said. And he also said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. She enjoys and so will you. And she benefits and so will you. Let me just tell you, as you walk through life, the world's going to be kind of hard on you. They'll hate you. They'll reject you. They'll revile you. They'll mock you. Sometimes people in the church will be hard towards you. Shame on them, but it happens. But he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never treat you unkindly. You will absolutely love and heal and refresh and restore, but you have to come and sit at his feet. So we invite you to do that. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head for just a moment. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come to the front. So many more things we can say today, but let's take this opportunity to say, what will you do if Jesus is in the house? How will you respond? 
what will be the priority for your life when Jesus is in the house. And he's in the house today. In just a moment, I'll have a closing word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Some will come forward to pray. Some will walk out to activities that happen. We'll be inviting you to the guest reception room if you're a guest. Today, we're inviting you to step up and be a witness for Jesus through Can We Talk. We have people out in the guest reception that are there to help you sign up for that. But the most important decision that you can make today is the decision to give your life to Christ. I know some of us say, you know, I really don't feel good approaching God because I know there's so much stuff in my life. I've disobeyed him, I've done wrong, I'm far from him. I feel so far from him. But I wanna remind you that this is why Jesus died. Jesus died to remove the barrier between ourselves and him. He died so that that sin barrier would be absolutely paid for and removed. And the dividing line would be removed. And so now we have access to God through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And, and maybe today you just haven't remembered well that Jesus died to forgive you of sin and give you total access to God. The ability to hear him and follow him. And if that's never happened in your life, if you've never given your life to Christ before, if you've never made the decision to ask him to forgive you and give you eternal life, then you need to know it's the only way to the Father, the only way that you can ever be forgiven is to accept that gift that was purchased on the cross by Jesus Christ himself. And today you can make that decision. All you have to do is come up and have a conversation with one of these individuals. He will lead you in the ability to say to God, I need that gift. Please forgive me. Please give me this gift of eternal life. We can help you with that today. So in these next few moments, these would be moments that you would want to focus well. Now some of us are thinking about all the other things about our day. Who kicks off when in the football games? Where we're going to eat? What we're going to do? Only a few things are important. Jesus said, really, only one. And this spiritual decision is the most important thing in your life at this moment. Would you stand very quietly to your feet? And after I pray, I'm gonna encourage you to walk forward when others walk out. This is the day you need to make a decision, make it. Make it the high priority it is. Be bold and courageous enough to say, I wanna make that decision to follow Christ. Father, in Jesus' name today, we're so thankful for your word that reveals so much to us. And today we know that you've called us to a clear focus on you. I ask you today to help us to choose the one thing that's most important in our lives. And that's your presence, time with you, knowing you, loving you, listening to you, worshiping you. And Father, for all those that have question marks in their mind about where they stand with you, answer those questions for them this morning, right here, right now, in this time of focus on you that you call us to in Jesus' name, amen.